Acts chapter 15, we'll be reading the first 11 verses then. I hear the word of God. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Uh, the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. Uh, there is a, a pressing uh, question in this passage. It results in this whole uh, assembly of the church gathered to, to talk about it. And there's, there's, it's a pressing question that everyone today on campus is, is asking and looking for. What, what, do we, how do, what do we answer this? Do we have to be circumcised? <laughs> Uh, I've not, not heard that question uh, on campus. Um, really not the thing that people are generally thinking of, but if that was a pressing question, uh, you can understand why this will be a major issue, <laughs> why there might be a major uh, debate about this. Is there really some surgical procedure requir uh, required uh, to a sensitive part of my body that is very necessary if I'm going to uh, be part of this religion, join this faith, uh, and be included and counted uh, as, 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 as in? Right, is having hope um, would really make you count the cost a little bit more before you know responding to that altar call and coming down front. And, yes, I want to be want to be part of it. You can get this. This will be a big uh, issue. But I want you to see uh, that there's more than just circumcision that's in view in this passage. Um, that's the context in which uh, an even bigger uh, and more uh, sensitive uh, question uh, comes uh, to bear. Hopefully you'll see that this uh, centers on uh, the central issue of Christianity. The question that this passage is dealing with is, what's required for salvation? What's necessary? What, what's required in order to come to God, to be accepted by him, approved by him, receive his promise and his hope, and be included in God's people? 
Because there's a debate, no small debate and dissension, kind of a big understatement, right? Um, uh, there's this debate about what's required in order to come to God. That's the central uh, question in this, uh, in this passage. Um, is the simple me- uh, message of Jesus enough? Are there other things that needed to be uh, added on uh, to it? Are there other cuts that need to be made? Can we, can we edit the gospel to be able to fit our views? Uh, what's going on here is they're, they're considering, uh, do we have to alter uh, the message of Christianity? Some people thought, yes, what Jesus said. Others are adding in and saying, here are things that we need to do. Uh, but instead, of the, uh, instead, what the church centers on and continue, what Christ preserves and continues to bring to us uh, is the uncut, unedited, uh, simple, beautiful gospel of Jesus alone of Jesus as our hope and our sufficiency, and that nothing uh, needs to be added uh, to him. And that alone continues forward from this controversy, un- unaltered. Um, it continues uh, forward uh, unaltered as Jesus alone. Uh, this, there's this uh, controversy. It comes to a head. Uh, they, they've debated it in, uh, in Antioch, and they come to Jerusalem. They assemble before uh, the apostles and elders because... This is something that's not just matters in Antioch or just matters to some people in some place. It matters to the whole of the church because uh, it's central uh, about the gospel. And you can see this as you track through the whole story. If you read more uh, preceding this and following this in Acts and more of Acts 15. Um, but but to, to simplify this, uh, what I want us to do is primarily focus on two verses in the chapter. Um, the, the two perspectives of the debate. Um, one from verse 1 and the other from verse uh, 11. And it will help uh, focus us on uh, what's, what's at stake and what's central here. Uh, the perspective, uh, first perspective you see in verse 1 starts with this, uh, unless. These men came down from Judah and they were teaching the brothers what? Unless, unless you're circumcised, uh, you cannot be saved. Uh, and then in verse 11, after Peter, there's been much debate, and Peter responds on what God does, he in, concludes uh, this way, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, uh, just as they will. Those are the two perspectives. Uh, is it the grace of the Lord Jesus through which we're saved, or there's something else uh, that unless that's added to it, we cannot be saved? So take, take the, the first one first, right? Unless you are... We're not worried about circumcision so much. I'm telling you, it's what's, it's what's going on. There's more. If you fill in, if you, you can fill in the blank there. You can just put a blank there. Unless you are uh, fill in the blank, something else, uh, you cannot be saved. Unless there's something else added uh, to Jesus, you can't be saved. This is the perspective that attempts to uh, uh, alter the gospel. Now, you can understand if you go through uh, history or you're looking at scripture, like why there was a confusion here and what they're looking at. Since God's covenant to Abraham, right, before there was a, a people of Israel, because Israel was Jacob's uh, you know, grandson. Uh, Israel was Abraham's grandson. Um, when God called Abraham and said, I'm going to make, uh, make my promises to you, and I will uh, bless you and bless those from you, uh, he told Abraham for every male child born in his house or even uh, servants that are part of his family, on the eighth day they should be circumcised. And that circumcision would be a symbol and a sign that they belong to God and that God's blessings uh, were for them. 
says. When it comes to uh, the nation of Israel, uh, speaking of it that way, and Moses is uh, leading, you go through Exodus and, uh, and Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, speaks of still the same thing, then that God's people, one of the markers that shows that you belong to God is this sign that God's given, a sign of his blessing, that here's where the promise uh, comes. And so now they're going, uh, Jesus has come, this Messiah that was proclaimed to Abraham uh, has come, and not only for the Jews, but, but, but it was told to Abraham that he would be a blessing to many nations. And so others are embracing that faith of Abraham and then looking to Jesus, and some people are saying, that's great. But, but there's still this marker that God's given that's the sign that if you're going to actually be part of the people of God, if you can really have hope of God's blessing, you have to also have uh, that sign. Uh, you have to be uh, circumcised. You have to keep the law of Moses. And here's the problem with it. The, the, what they're saying then effectually is that there's Jesus has come. Uh, he has lived. He has died. He has been raised and is reigning. But for you to have hope, you need something else along with Jesus. Yes, you need Jesus and trust in him, but if you're going to be part of God's people, if you're going to be saved, you need Jesus and circumcision. You need Jesus and the law of Moses. You need Jesus and fill in the blank. That's the situation. And that may have made sense to some people as you're, as you're looking at that. I think sometimes we act like it makes sense to us, but it's the implication of it. What's that saying? It's saying that Jesus alone isn't enough. It's saying that Jesus' death and resurrection isn't sufficient. That there's something else that has to be added to it if we're going to be saved. It's not just Jesus that saves. It's Jesus and uh, something else that saves. It undercuts the work on the cross. It devalues uh, the gospel. It devalues the sufficiency of it. Uh, unless you are, fill in the blank, cannot be saved. That was the alteration they were trying to make uh, to the gospel. Uh, adding something that then cut away everything. So I want us to ask uh, the question first, how do we do this to ourselves? Uh, because I think we uh, do this often. I think I, uh, I do this uh, often and fall into it every day. Um, every, every week, and as I'm preparing and then reflecting on stuff afterwards, every week one of the things that enters my mind is, David, unless you're a good enough campus minister, unless you preach a good enough servant, uh, sermon, a good enough message that really connects with people, doesn't wander on and go too long, if there's good application that people are following, like unless all that's there, um, are, you really, are you really worthwhile? Do you really matter? Does God really love you? Are things okay? And now, I would never say that, right? If you come talk to me afterwards, I'll be, like, depressed because I was longer again because three of you fell asleep. And that's okay. I still love you when you fall asleep. I've fallen asleep before, just not while I was preaching, while other people were preaching. Um, <laughs> but, but if you watch my mood, or Karen could tell you, you know, and watch my mood, uh, man, sometimes I feel like, boy, God just really worked, and this is good, and I feel my significance. And other times I'm like, ah, there it is again, right? Um, and, and, and I act like here's this down, like my worth is less because I'm saying I have to have Jesus and a great sermon that really connects with people in order to be acceptable. I uh, prove to God, approve to myself, and, uh, and continue on. Right? I think we do this all the time. In fact, I would say that every time uh, we doubt that God can want us and accept us uh, as we are, and as we are includes a lot of, a lot of rough edges, right? 
a lot of uh, recent uh, stumbles. I, I stumbled. Uh, yeah, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of weight and heaviness and difficulty and pain and sin. But every time that we doubt that God could still want us and accept us as we are uh, in Christ, we're falling in the same perspective. It's unless. Uh, every time we act like there's something more that we need to give to God, uh, we're, we're stuck in the same place. Uh, and it feels, it feels righteous, it feels like we're doing good to say there's something else I want to offer to God. Uh, but we're saying Jesus isn't enough, and I have to add to it. Um, if you're outside the faith, uh, uh, just kind of looking into Christianity, listen, you may be thinking like, all right, I hear what you're saying, I've been around Christian people, and like, I, this, this just isn't for me. I don't, know that I, I don't know that I fit with this, right? Maybe you're going, my life doesn't look like church and Bible and being religious and doing the right things, um, making good decisions. I think with all the uh, things that I've done, all the girls that I've slept with, all the, <laughs> the language that I use, I, like, I don't know that I can change that far. I, I don't know that I can be good enough. Right? And, and the perspective that very easily can come in is this, unless I'm better... I can't be saved. And I want you to hear how this passage is calling you to something else. It's saying that's not Christianity. Um, uh, it's not unless I'm better. It's not about our performance. The gospel says it's what Jesus has done uh, for you in your place. Uh, that, that any of us can be acceptable to God because of what Jesus has done. Listen, that would have been a very similar perspective to a lot of the Gentiles that Paul was going out and talking to. Uh, they would have had a very uh, pagan lifestyle, right? Uh, their whole life would have been not following God, following uh, different, actually bowing down probably to, to different idols and going along with, uh, with the immorality and the, and the culture that was uh, caught up in that. And they are brought into God's people uh, and approved and accepted and given the blessing of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the covenant to Abraham comes to them. Uh, and there they see it. Uh, I think also with, within the faith uh, for Christians, uh, like, like how often do we act like we, we need to get it together first and then come to God? Right? Like, like we see our sin and it's there. We go like, oh, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I was going to do that. I did that. I knew God didn't want me to do that. I don't feel guilty. Dang it. I just don't want to think about it. I want to push it down. I want to push it down. And okay, well, what should I do with this? Well, I can't just come to God now. I've just, I've just done what I knew I was going to do and knew God didn't want me to do. Right? We're like, I've got I've to do something first, but, and then I can come to God, and then I can be acceptable uh, to him. There's a subtle lie that we buy into pretty quickly that says God doesn't want you right now, unless. Right? God doesn't want you uh, right now, not after what you've done. You have to make up for, us, for it first. Um, you at least have to let some time uh, pass, and then you can come to God. Right? Especially we do this with, with big sins, right? Or things that we think of as, as big, major sins. When you uh, get to FSU, and then you're, uh, for some of you, depending on your background, you're, you're surprised that the party life at FSU was, was as appealing to you uh, as it is. Uh, the things that you can get into, um, and whether that's uh, sexual relationships, or that's uh, just having a party and drinking, getting wasted, uh, the, all the different drugs that are available. Um, maybe that's just being in a relationship and it seemed like it was a good relationship and you didn't ever expect that it was going to go as far as it's gone physically. Maybe it's just stuff like the amount of time that you feel like you've wasted. Uh, nothing. Maybe it's the amount of uh, porn that you've binged on 
or the amount of times that you've come back again uh, to it. And what we do is we feel like unless I can get rid of this in my life first, I can't come to God. Unless I first have changed and said, no, that's not where I am, uh, or made something better, I can't come to God first. I think certainly that's what, with uh, uh, habitual sins, if you're used to call them besetting sins, things that we come, come back to, uh, as if we're addicted for, to it, even though the gospel gives us freedom. Right? It tends to be sexual things that get the spotlight there of habitual sins. We uh, continue to have that longing to go back to it, but just as much pride, uh, for, for most of us, is a habitual uh, sin that we come back to, uh, gossip, uh, jealousy, uh, bitterness, all things that scripture mentions. And we find ourselves over and over again in the same dirty trough, eating it and, and, and thinking that's going to be what's good for us. And then when we're there, what we do is we go, oh, like here, I've just, I've just satisfied myself on what I was looking for and, it, and now it doesn't feel good. And I know that I was wrong. I can't come to God now. Like I, I repented of it yesterday. And I said, I'm not going to do that again. And then here I am again. I can't just, right? unless I can really eliminate this desire, I can't come to God. Right? You see how subtle, but how, but how deep that perspective gets in here. This, this unless uh, something else, uh, you cannot be saved. And we would say, no, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. But then you watch our moods. You watch our life. You watch our prayer life. You watch our devotion to God and where it goes. And you realize, oh, like, we're the ones uh, right here uh, with it. Also impacts the uh, other side of it maybe is the, the moralist, the, the achiever, uh, the do-gooder, right? The, the guys from verse 1, uh, I mean, these are, these are good guys, right? <laughs> these guys are the, they're the uh, moral police, maybe, uh, ethical. Um, and you think for the person who, uh, they're not falling into uh, to the party life at FSU. They're not going too uh, far with their girlfriend, boyfriend. Uh, they're going to church. They're avoiding bad habits. They've got the disciplined life. They're coming to RUF, leading the, leading the Bible study maybe, right? Getting involved, uh, uh, serving, making good grades, like making something out of their life. Uh, good things, like good things, not like good things. Um, but, but then uh, when you constantly feel the weight of, of keeping that up, uh, that it has to be there, what what, what would happen if you, if you stumble? Um, and, and that without it, you would be so disappointed with yourself that you would push yourself very far away from God and far away from his grace uh, because what you were relying on uh, wasn't Jesus' righteousness but what you thought you had uh, from yourself. It so easily starts to feel like unless I continue in obedience, God can't approve of me. God can't want me. Um, subtle perhaps with error is deep what we're saying is that we're adding something to what Jesus did and what I'm adding to what Jesus did matters and I have to have it, it has to be there sometimes it's not even particularly religious things that still get in this way and still tend uh, to this view of the gospel, not even religious uh, things or ethical moral behavior but still comes into view, sometimes it's just things like unless people find me attractive uh, unless people are interested in spending time with me, unless people think that my jokes are funny and they laugh or that I'm uh, witty enough or clever enough or, or smart enough, and then 
because you can tell this because when someone else kind of comes into the picture and they outshine you a little bit in those areas, like at the higher grade or people start laughing at someone else's jokes instead of your jokes, uh, you, feel, right, you feel small. You feel like, where's your worth? Are you undesirable and unwanted? Um, that unless those things are there and shining, we feel like other people don't want us, we start to go, God, God wouldn't want me either. These are where I place my identity and my hope. Uh, and unless I have these along with Jesus, I'm not, I'm not rescued. I'm not saved. I need something more. You see how, you see how, you see how deep this goes? Yeah, yeah, everyone on campus isn't asking about circumcision, but everyone on, on campus is asking about Acts 15. Every believer and every unbeliever is asking about Acts 15. They're going, what's required for me to be enough, for me to be uh, rescued, for me to have hope? Uh, for where do I go? Like I said, ask the question, how do, how, does that, how do we do that to ourselves? Uh, but also you have to ask the question, how do we do that to others? That's the language of the passage, right? Um, these guys coming up from Judea to Antioch are saying, they're talking about others. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. These people can't really be part of us. They can't be included in our group unless they follow our rules unless they get in line and do things the way that, that we want it, uh, that we think they're supposed to be. Uh, right? How often do we throw down the, what we're just actively only associate with you if? And maybe it's just stuff like, if you like the same movies as me or the type of music with me, um, or maybe it's only associate with you if you're a very moral person. If I think your life looks kind of like I would want my life to be, well then, yeah, I'm willing to hang out with you. Um, if, if I can tell that you're not struggling with major sins, and if you, if you are, then it's just a removal. Like, unless you get it together, we can't be connected. Um, it's part of the mindset here. Unless you already have a good understanding of the Bible and theology, read, unless you already agree with me, then I don't know that this is really, that we should really be together in this. Um, uh, uh, the, the old, unless you... Uh, you know, don't, the, old, the old adage from years ago, like, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? And you're just picking up these light sins, but it's saying, like, here's our associations. It's these moral things. It's these, it's these things of where we'll connect or not connect. Unless you don't have problems, unless you follow our rules, we won't stick with you, we don't want you, we'll leave you out. And just as simple as, like, unless you come to RUF, unless you come to RUF every week consistently enough, you're not really someone that we're, that we're willing to care about. Like, unless you also come to Moe's afterwards. I would love for you to come to Moe's. It's fine if you don't come to Moe's, though, right? Um, and, and you don't want to leave your folks out because they're not just doing the things that you feel like, this is what we do. We do that all the time. Um, there, there's, to know uh, there's nothing more needed. There's no one less. Uh, there's no one less uh, in the gospel because Jesus is already enough. All we do is come admitting where we are. Admitting that wrong and that we can't do enough for it. And then looking to Jesus. There's nothing else that needs to be added to, nothing that can be added to it. Like at least uh, get this too from uh, verse 10. That this perspective doesn't work. But Peter goes through all of it. He's like, it's not valid. It's not true. It's not what God has done because he actually has given the promise of the Spirit even though they weren't circumcised. Uh, so he has given that promise and included them and so we've got to go along with what God's done. And then he comes back and he's like, you should know better. What are you doing? You're freed from it too. Stop trying to shackle yourself back into it and shackle other people in it. Look at, look at verse 10. 
Why are you putting God to the test and placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples, get this, that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Has to be the law and our obedience to the law in order to be saved and the markers and the signs of it? We're not there. Our fathers haven't been. We haven't been. There isn't any hope apart from Jesus alone fulfilling that law for us. Calls us uh, back into it. Uh, all of our things that we throw out are unless even attractive or witty enough or righteous enough or haven't fallen into that sin frequently uh, enough. Um, we can't bear it. We're still caught under it. And the gospel offers something different. Something so much more beautiful. Uh, it gives so much more hope. If it doesn't leave us just falling uh, down uh, plummeting uh, um, before God or before ourselves in a relationship when it's not met. Uh, Jesus is enough. Uh, and trying to add any more to that only cuts away that sufficiency. Yeah, so it comes back and points to him and his glory. So Peter concludes with this different perspective. Belt the whole time, right? Not this, unless something, you cannot be saved. But he comes back in verse 11, uh, secondly, um, that we believe... We will be uh, saved by faith through the grace of the Lord Jesus. He's saying, we believe that Jesus has done it all. That Jesus has done it all uh, for us, and so we point to him. And the way that we're saved is not by looking at what's in ourselves or putting something out uh, from ourselves that's going to be enough or adding to Jesus. It's simply by pointing to him and saying, the gift of Jesus in my place is what saves me. Uh, he's my only hope. His glory, his beauty, his righteousness, uh, his death, his resurrection are, are the hope that he is the gift that comes in our place. There's nothing left that the Father's waiting on for you to add along to it before he'll receive you and accept you as, as, as his own. Nothing that he's waiting on for you to uh, add in or, or get right or follow along with before he'll pour out the abundance of his love on you as his child, right? Uh, the, the hope shall not disappoint us. God's love's been poured out through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit given to the Gentiles, given to the Jews, given to all who call the name of, of Jesus. And so instead of looking to anything else, uh, it's calling us to look to the gift of Jesus in our place. Uh, his, his perfection and perfect obedience instead of our failures. So I can preach, hopefully not a completely lousy sermon, uh, but, but one that doesn't connect with you in all the right ways and all the right stories and the best application and probably wanders on a little bit too long because that's what I end up doing and y'all know me, it's there, I'm trying, I'm trying. But it's not my trying that matters. Um, that, that still, uh, that, that Jesus uh, is using it in the place of my uh, imperfection instead of it just leaving me down, lets me go. I got to talk about how beautiful Jesus was. Um, and whether y'all got it or not, Jesus is that beautiful and it covers me and it covers my failures. And I want to share that with you and I want y'all to share that with others and I want your hearts to be able to rest there when you're high and when you're low uh, that Jesus is enough for you. Uh, his perfection in the place of our failures, his death and his rejection on the cross in the place of our hiding, in the place of our covering over things and pretending like it's kind of okay and that we're getting through it. Uh, his resurrection life in the place of our trying to offer up something good enough. 
Uh, because Jesus was condemned for our sins, Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's nothing uh, to hold you guilty before God if Jesus has taken all your sins past, uh, present, and future. There is no more condemnation. When you're condemning yourself, come to Jesus. And go, Jesus has taken that for me. I'm free. I'm freed from it. He still loves me. I don't have to put myself down in this, this hole. Jesus alone is enough for me. When I've just failed, again, like I knew I was going to be there. And abandoning that hope that you're going to pull yourself up out of that thing. And be thankful that he's enough for you. And yeah, you'll watch the way his grace transforms you, but your hope is in what he does. Because Jesus is raised, uh, we're not only washed uh, clean, but we're made fully acceptable uh, to God and clothed in his righteousness. Relying on anything else just ends up in frustration and depression. Sometimes it ends up in like temporary pride. Kind of doing better than everybody else <laughs> until boom right and sink down but relying on jesus alone as enough for our salvation we believe that we will be saved through the grace of jesus christ through faith in the grace of our lord jesus um this grace is for us and it's, and it's also for others uh, jerry bridges in his uh, book uh the disciplines of grace has this great uh, illustration that I, that I love he talks about our good days and our bad days Maybe you think about just your life. There's some days where you feel like you go along pretty well. Other days that are pretty, pretty poor. Some of those days you feel like you're pretty good in. Like you're, you're doing a good job. Other bad days. So he says, you know, what, what about that good days? What do we think of our relationship with God on those good days? You know, you wake up. And you wake up like thinking about God. And you're, you're thankful. God really has grace for me. He's, he, he's given his son for me. And you actually want to pick up the Bible and read. Some of you are like already guilty just because I mentioned that. It's not every day, right? But you wake up someday and you're, you're thankful uh, about that. And you're opening your Bible and you're praying and you're thinking about God as you go about uh, your day. And you're praying for people that you talk to. And maybe you're even talking to people about Jesus. And you're uh, studying for your class. And you're trying to not waste your time. And it, and it, it just it feels like you feel God's closeness and his presence uh, for you. And it feels good. There's other days... They're not so good days. Uh, and you, you wake up and thankfulness is not even on your heart at all. Um, damn, you're like, why am I, why am I still stuck in this? Uh, maybe, you, maybe you wake up uh, hungover. Uh, maybe, maybe you wake up uh, still uh, in bed with the person that you were hoping you wouldn't end up uh, there with. Um, maybe you wake up not wanting to think about God, not wanting to open your Bible or pray. And maybe, maybe it's Thursday and you're like, I don't think I'm going tonight. Uh, I know I'll come to the small group sometime. I'm not going to go. I've got a test. I really got to study for. Right? And you go through the day, and God's the farthest thing from your mind, and things that talk about it just make you more bitter and more frustrated. Um, someone asks you about uh, your faith, and you're like, really? Got to talk about this now? What's even, what's even the point? Where am I? Um, and it, he, he, he goes on to say, uh, if we think that we're somehow more acceptable to God on some days more than others, we're missing the grace of the Lord Jesus for us, and we're relying on something else. 
And yes, yeah, some days really are better than, than other days. I'm not saying there's not a difference. But the grace of the Lord Jesus is the same throughout. And so the way that God sees us in Christ is the same throughout. As our sins having been pardoned and being clothed in Christ's righteousness. That he looks on you in your good days and on your bad days and says, You are mine. And I love you. And I've given my son to you, and I approve of you, and you have a place uh, store in my, in my family. If we've come to Christ, if we reach out to him, this is, this is how God sees us justified in him. Right? Jerry Bridges puts it this way. He says, your, your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. Also called out a bit of our righteousness and said, your, your, your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need for God's grace. Oh, we walk not regarding just our obedience, but resting in needing our grace. We're saved by relying on the gift of the Lord Jesus to us. We walk in that. Uh, Tim Keller, I think, has said this way, that in the gospel we start to learn that we're more uh, sinful than we ever dared imagine, and that we're more loved than we ever dared to hope. Because on those bad days, still God is there, still Jesus' grace is enough for us. Uh, it's enough for us, and it's also enough uh, for others. Uh, the way here in this passage, the associations, and they're like, oh, I don't want to be of those Gentiles unless they essentially become Jews like me and accept all these uh, things and go along with them. Um, it's not one person. We, we kind of have to give up on the, the better than. And the good enough or the comparisons that we do like with one another and compare my behavior to your behavior and uh, where these things are. We get to be free to be open, uh, to be vulnerable. Stop hiding and pretending. Let people know, like, yeah, this is where I am. Hey, help me because I'm falling back into the same things that you know I've been in before. And I don't have to just, you can know that. And you can, you can still love me because Jesus is enough for me. And I can, you, you can love the person that you've watched them struggle with sin and struggle with the same sin. And maybe you've been in, like, you know, the small group, prayer group, accountability for them. And it's almost like sometimes you start getting frustrated with that person, like, like, why are we still praying for you with the same issue, right? Um, because Jesus' grace is enough, you come and say, I'm right there with you, and I'm walking alongside you. And I want my continuing in your presence and loving you to be something that points you uh, to God, continuing to walk with you and be enough for you. Right? It frees us to love one another. It frees a Jewish church and a Gentile church to be together and to be called Christians and to love one another and for it to make an impact and effect in the communities that they're in because they see these people are together. They love one another in their, in their failures and in their successes and their vulnerability uh, without just hiding. You see what Jesus is doing here at this church. Uh, that is this different edit this cut to the gospel, this alteration to add something else that, yes, Jesus, but also we've got we've to do more than that. And then we start to get caught up and we're like, yes, that's right, we, sh we should, we should go on and do more than that. Uh, when, the, when the gospel could turn uh, off course there, uh, Jesus uh, holds his church steady. Uh, Jesus speaks to you in his word and holds you steady to point you here to his son. And it asks you the question, is Jesus enough for you? And to answer the question for you, uh, that Jesus and Jesus alone is enough for you. And you can come to him with nothing else. 
In fact, you have to come to him with nothing else because there's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can atone. And it brings us and it reconciles us to God every time. So the pure truth of the gospel continues uh, to go out. Uh, the church in Jerusalem, they write a letter they go to go back uh, to Antioch and say, here's, here's the truth of it. Here's the central of it. It is Jesus who saves the gift of God's grace. The gospel continues to go out again. Paul travels around again uh, from Antioch uh, sharing uh, the truth of that. Uh, and Jesus calls us uh, to feel and to know and to live in the truth of that. And Jesus is grounding uh, his church on his grace, on his grace alone uh, that's sufficient uh, for you, that's sufficient for me. Uh, he's grounding the church in his love and what he's actually done in sending his son. And we would point to him and to him alone.